CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. It is Friday, so that means it is time for Options Action, but this isn't just an ordinary show. It is the last Options Action of 2021. Here's what's coming up. Pop the champagne. Wall Street just closed out a monster year, and the Chartmaster sees even bigger opportunity bubbling up heading into 2022. The one sector Carter Worth says it's time to bet on. Plus, a high-energy trade. Tony Zhang says this year's best-performing sector will continue to rally in the new year. We'll drill down on that call. And later, Professor Ko sees a golden opportunity to take some protection. He'll tell us how in his call to action. It's time to risk less and make more. The final options action of 2021 starts right now. Let's get right to it. Semis are ripping higher in 2021, surging more than 41 percent, far outpacing the broader market. And as you get ready to kick off a new year, the chartmaster says this chip rip has even more room to run. Carter, take it away. You bet. Before we uh, look at the charts, I think it's important to say this. Uh, being up 41 percent, big thing. The prior year up 35, the prior year up 31. So one could say, hey, hold on. Up 31, follow me up 35, up 41 But here's the thing, you know, semis have never outperformed the S&P for more than two years in a row. This is now a third year. And my hunch is that we can pull it off one more time. So let's look at a few charts and then uh, figure it out. The first is a two panel. And ironically, it's still a catch up trade. So the top panel is the the SOX index. We are well above the all time peak of the dot com 99 high. But look at the bottom panel. We've still not recovered all the ground loss on a relative basis to the S&P 500. So if you look at the second chart, it's the exact same chart, but I've just drawn a line and a circle, highlighting the point that on a relative basis, as good as semis have been, they're still not back to where they were relative to the S&P in 1999, 2000. We think ultimately there's a breakout on the relative. Look at the third chart. Now, this is quite stunning. Same top panel, semis, but on the bottom is relative performance to the tech sector. Semis relative performance to tech actually peaked going back to 1995. Um, I think there's room to run, certainly relative to some other areas of the market and the market itself. Final chart, just the socks itself, uh, very short term. You've got a nice move. You get a big pop. You get a consolidation. I think you've got to get your next move. Semis in 2022. This is quite a call, Carter. So, Mike, uh, do you have the fundamental story to back this up? What's yeah, the I, mean, I, th- I think when people take a look at the price action here and, and obviously the big run that we've had over the course of the last couple of years, there would be reasons why some investors might be a little bit reticent, I think, to either get long or to stay long semiconductors. Right now, as a group, I think the index is trading around 32, 33 times earnings. That's that's well above average. But here's the thing. We all know that there has been a chip shortage. We know that there is high demand. We know that that demand is going to persist. We know 
that the chip makers actually have some pricing power. You know, take a look at some of the largest constituent stocks like Taiwan Semi announcing that they're going to have 10 to 20 percent year on year price increases. This is the kind of thing that demonstrates that this is a group that's in a very strong position. So if we're actually going to try to make a bullish case for any sector, I think it's reasonable to expect that the business for these guys going forward is going to be quite good. Now, Carter pointed out that we've had this big bump uh, recently. So essentially what's going on here is we're seeing a little bit more volatility in the group. So as we take a look at that, you know, we can try to take an options trade that will take advantage of the dynamic that we're seeing. And what we have been seeing is that actually as a group, the volatility has exceeded the implied volatility in the options going out two or three months. Now, they don't have March options on the SMH, so I'm looking at the February. I was looking specifically at the 320, 340 call spread. That $20 wide call spread would cost just over $5, very close to the 25% or so that we like to spend for at-the-money vertical spreads if we're going to use debit spreads. And I think because we are seeing these bigger moves and because we've had such a run, uh, this is a situation where I actually would not look to do something like a call spread risk reversal where we would sell a downside put. I think this gives us an attractive risk reward. You are limiting the amount of capital that you are spending uh, to less than 2% of the current price of SMH shares. And I think this is a way that you can play for the rally that we've been seeing to continue into the new year, uh, into the third fri uh, Friday in February. Tony, what's what's your take on this trade? And, and I also wonder what your thoughts uh, about higher rates um, and, and in relationship to some of the higher valuation names within the sector, because some of the stumbles we've seen of late is because of the notion that interest rates were rising. Yeah, that's exactly right. So especially with the higher interest rates, as you said, these, these stocks are most sensitive. And that's particularly why I like Mike's trade the most. First of all, when you use a vertical structure like he's using here right now, you're actually limiting your losses to as small as possible. And this is extremely important for the fact that, one, this is a sector that's trading at these relative highs, uh, both from a technical and a fundamental perspective, from a valuations perspective, and that risk that you're talking about with higher interest rates. So by limiting your risk to just 1.6% percent of the ETF's value and still getting a three to one risk to reward ratio, this really is the ideal setup or ideal structure for playing for a breakout. If you look at the charts here for SMH, what I really like is the breakout here above that 275 level. Not only was break was breaking out on an absolute basis, it also broke out relative to the market. And since then, it's held that 290 support level, which also not only held on an absolute, but also relative basis to the market. So all of that, in my opinion, is extremely constructive for SMH. Personally, I am. I prefer to pick individual stocks in this particular sector, but SMH is a great way for investors to get upside exposure to the semis without, while at the same time diversifying away some single stock risk. Carter, I'll give you the last word on this trade, and I'm, I'm just curious what the reaction is from your clients. I read this note this morning. I thought, wow, what a call after such a, a banner year. You're calling for it again. What was the reaction? Yeah. So interesting, because it was just redoing the call from the first of the year, the Jan 7th uh, money in motion to bet on semis as outperformers. The luck, it worked. Here's the question, can it continue? I think the truth is the whole rate thing is a myth. Hmm. At the end of the day, we're sitting here at 1.5%. The Fed said it's raising, and guess what happens? Banks are rolling over. Tech is acting well. I don't think rates are going higher, and I think semis are, are not going to be impacted by that. You start going to 3 and 4%, okay, but then the whole market's in trouble. Right. 
All right, let's move on here. We are getting pumped up for the ball drop with some high energy. The energy sector roaring back to life in 2021 with a 48 percent gain. And Tony expects more gains heading into the new year. Tony, what are you looking at? Yeah, I'm looking at XLE, the energy sector ETF. And looking into the first half of 2022, my expectation is to look for some higher oil prices, especially as we have some pent up demand. And that's likely going to be a nice boost here for energy stocks going to the second half of next year. So if we take a look at a chart here of just crude prices, first of all, what we have is a full year of what we would consider higher highs and higher lows. And this simply points to further upside here next year towards about 85 and potentially higher for oil. And that's going to be a, 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 head, a tailwind for energy stocks. So if we look at XLE as a ETF, you know, one particular level that we're currently trading at is the 55 level. This is a pretty major line in the sand that goes back all the way to 2011. So the fact that we're right back at this level and a point of contention, the question is, does it reject at this level and trade lower or does it break out higher? And that's when we zoom into the XLE chart. Recently, we've seen a bit of consolidation here on the on the one year chart and the pullback that we've seen here due to the Omicron variant. I think this really actually sets up for a nice breakout here going into to next year. So if we look at XLE right now, the implied volatility of these options are not particularly expensive, but I do want to try to buy upside, go all the way out to the middle of next year. So I'm going out to uh, June and I'm buying the $55 call options on XLE. And against that, I'm going to sell the February $59 call options against it for about 80 cents. I'm paying for about four and a half dollars for those June options, collecting about 85 cents here. Net net here, I'm paying about three dollars and fifty. That's about 6% of the XLE's ETF that gives me the ability to gain upside exposure on XLE going into next year while reducing my cost of buying these call options by selling those February $59 calls against them. Mike, what is your take on this trade? Uh, you know, a couple things. I mean, the first is that when you buy XLE, I mean, this is essentially just a proxy for oil. Why is that? It's because if you take a look uh, you know, some of the largest constituent stocks that you've got in here, Chevron, Exxon, uh, significantly smaller, but still probably 5% of it is uh, ConocoPhillips. That's about 50% of the overall XLE. And what are these? These are proxies for oil. I mean, you can sort of think about these companies as, uh, you know, the discount of their reserves, essentially. And I do think that there probably is some support for oil prices here. I mean, obviously, we've had this news about Omicron, but there is also some news that we might actually see uh, the far side of this thing sooner than in previous waves. And if that's true, I think that is going to uh, continue to spur some demand and, and we have some supply to make up for here. Carter, what are your thoughts on the XLE? I mean, you thought semis are going to propel higher, so why not energy after its 48% gain? <laughs> Right. Um, well, here's the thing. One thing about the XLE, of course, and uh, it is so dominated by Exxon and Chevron, almost half the weight. The XOP, which is the Spider Oil and Gas um, Exploration Production ETF, has got some 60 names. The biggest is only seven. And it's a continual, uh, almost perpetual outperformer of XLE. I think the vehicle to use here would be that. I'm, I'm sure Tony has views on that as well. Uh, as for oil, We've come a long way, 63 to 77.50. I think you get a lot of backing and filling here. All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you are there, you can sign up for our newsletter. Here's what's coming up next. Is it time to take cover? With stocks sitting near record highs, Mike sees a golden opportunity to take some protection. 
He'll tell you how. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. It is lonely at the top. The S&P 500 sitting right near those all-time highs it made earlier this week, closing out 2021 with a 27% gain. But do you know why it's so lonely at the top? Because gold hasn't come along for the ride. It's 3% in the red in 2021, despite consistent inflation fears and a whole host of other would-be catalysts. Despite this disappointment, the chart master is betting that 2022 could actually be a golden year. So, Carter... Walk us through. Sure. Three identical charts and one at the end that's different. First one, um, no drawings, no lines, no judgments by me, the chart of gold. Second chart, it's the exact same thing, but some lines drawn. You can clearly see it is working its way into the apex of this formation, which is to say it's almost stock trading. Something comes along to resolve all setups Many people would say, yeah, it's going down, Carter. Uh, my hunch is otherwise. Third chart, same chart again. I've drawn arrows. It's very precise. Is it random that it's touched that bottom line to the penny over and over and over? Is that a PE, a dividend discount model, a peg ratio? No, it's charts. And I think it's going to get resolved up. Look at the final chart. It's sort of the up close and personal chart. We know that gold peaked um, back in August at some 2,063 an ounce. It dropped some 20 percent. That's a year a year plus ago. And now we're sitting here. Any strength from here would be a new sequence. You'll see that the lows are higher. And I think we're going to get it. Now, some would say, wait for it to start to break out above that line. OK, that's good technique. I think you jump the gun and go now. Hmm. Um, Mike, you've actually got a way to make up profits on this setup without getting burned. So what are you doing? Yeah. So, you know, this is one of those situations where if you've decided to get long, but you're doing it essentially, as Carter's suggesting, uh, anticipating the move rather than waiting for the breakout to confirm essentially the direction you're taking, that's a place where using options can really come in handy. And of course, if you buy calls, you're limiting risk to how much you spend for them. But in this case, I think we're going to talk a little bit about one of the first strategies that almost everybody who's new to options should probably consider. Now, typically, covered calls are a way where people can take a core holding and then sell upside calls against it to collect some premium. Now, a trade like this has a risk-reward payoff that is very similar to selling cash-covered puts. You have a limited upside, but you do have a fairly extensive exposure to the downside because you could own the security. So you have the benefit because you're collecting income of a higher probability of profit. But the downside is that your profits are capped and your debt, you see a significant decline. So if we don't get the breakout that Carter's looking for, you have significant downside risk. So the, we can look, though, to get creative. Uh, and in this case, since we don't want to just sell naked calls, which carries unlimited risk, 
what we can do is we can sell calls rather than against a long stock position, instead using longer dated call options. And that's what I think we ought to be looking at here. Specifically, the trade I was looking at going out to January, buying the GLD January 2023. So more than a year out, the 171 calls, those are essentially at the money calls and then selling $10 out of the money near dated March 181 calls. That entire trade structure would cost the equivalent of about $10 a share, $1,000 to put the whole trade on because, of course, each call option represents 100 shares. And the idea here is that if GLD does rally through 171 up to that 181, we can actually roll those short calls out and essentially continue to finance this protected long position that that GLD leap provides us. Tony, what's your take on this trade? Yeah, so if you look at that chart of GLD, uh, you know, we've, we peaked it back in that August 2020 level. We've seen that downtrend ever since. It had a failed breakout here in November trying to break out higher, and we're seeing that second attempt here, and I do think Carter's right. Now is the time to jump the gun and potentially get ahead of that, especially when you see the dollar, that strength in the dollar that we've seen over the past couple of months starting to see some exhaustion. That could be the headwind for gold to rally higher from here. Now, back to Mike's trade here, you know, the, the call calendar he's using where he's He's using the January 2023 call options to, to replace 100 shares of GLD. Sometimes we call that a poor man's cover call because to buy 100 shares of GLD, that'll require about $17,000 versus the call option he's purchasing only requires about $1,100, about 6.5% of 100 shares of ETS value. So he's reducing his risk and the capital outlay. But I do want to take a look at the short strike that he's selling, the March 181 calls. Not only do I think it's a great strike price from a technical perspective, but also from a probability, because when you look at the GLD chart over the past year, 181 is pretty much the top end of the range. So technically speaking, selling call options near resistance levels makes a lot of sense. But also the 181 strike price is about a 20 delta. That means by the March expiration, there's only about a 20% chance gold will be above 181. And those are the types of low deltas that we like to sell going into uh, using cover call strategies, using that low delta, like a 20 or 15 delta or so. Carter, about Tony's trade on XLE, you said XOP was the outperformer. And I'm wondering if GDX or the gold miners ETF would be the outperformer to the GLD. Right. So remember, um, in, in the, there's leverage in operating business versus a commodity. Commodities actually don't move very much, even though you'll see these big moves in lumber. That's why they give you so much leverage in the futures market, because they're kind of boring, actually. Um, the stocks will always outperform the underlying commodity in a big run. So the chart looks just as good? Yes. To you. Okay. Coming up, a big update on a healthcare trade we laid out for you earlier this month. Do not go anywhere. Much more Options Action, the final show of the year, is up next. Welcome back to Options Action Time for a checkup on a healthcare trade. A few weeks back, Carter and Mike gave us the down, down low on Centene. Is this stock worth more or less than it was three and a half years ago as an enterprise, as a business, in principle more? And so when you consolidate like this, it represents a multiple compression. And at some point, it gets too cheap and it breaks out. I think that's exactly what's going on here. I was looking at the June 80 calls, those were about $7.10 when I was looking at those, and then selling the January 85 calls against it, collecting about $1.15, net net spending about $5.95 for this. 
Since then, the stock is up more than 10 percent. So, Carter, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, so I'll break out. Uh, the question is, after uh, a breakout like this, is that it? I would say no. It's such a big base from which it is moving higher. Stay long, Milo. Mike, is that what you're going to do? Yeah, I think so. And the other thing is, notice it got very close to that strike, that 85 strike that we sold. That's going to be expiring next month. So my inclination is to stay in this thing. And of course, once that short call rolls off, then we can look to sell more calls against the one that we own. All right. Up next, you got your tweets and the final, final call of 2021. Welcome back to Options Action. We are celebrating the new year doing what we love, answering your tweets. First up, Roxy asks, is SoFi ready to bounce off support? If so, what's a bullish option strategy? Mike, what do you say? Okay, well, the first part of that question is really a technical one, so I'll probably defer to Carter. Maybe he'll have a quick answer for you on that. But as far as the options are concerned, they are really, really pricey in SoFi. The March at the money straddle is about 30% of the current stock price. So if you buy calls, it's tough to see profits. Even if you buy call spreads, for example, the 15, 17 and a half call spread is about 40% of the distance between the strikes. Not the kind of math we typically like. If you really do believe it's going to bounce, I'd probably be more inclined to buy the stock and sell some upside calls against it. Okay, so it'd be a really expensive options trade. Carter, would it even be worth it? What do you say on the technical front? Yeah, I mean, it is support and it has found support, but the bounce so far is a bit feeble. I think it's sort of uh, uh, fair money, dull money here. Feeble is such a descriptive word. I love it. Um, We've got a question on the payment stocks. Visa and MasterCard are up from December 1st lows. Is there more upside? Tony, what do you tell Bo Selecta? Yeah, so unfortunately, I think both of these charts look fairly challenged. Uh, You know, I think there's limited upside unless Visa gets above 220 or MasterCard above 370. I think the relative performance on these stocks relative to their sector is extremely poor. And that's why I think there's further downside. All right. Quick final call. Carter. Semis and gold. Tony. Call calendar on XLE. Mike Coe. Call spreads on SMH to play that bullish semi-play. All right, we'll see you in the new year next Friday. Meantime, your money 2022 starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.